podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 200 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. Episode 200, 200 times I've actually introduced the podcast, so if you've been with us all the way through, we appreciate you. If you just started listening to us, obviously we appreciate yourselves as well. We're all in a great mood, of course, once again, everything can't help in, can we? But I'm going to start this show off. A little bit of a philosophical quote, if I can, and, and it goes a little something like this Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to see Everton win away again. So, lovely little opening there, as I'm sure you, you will agree from myself. Uh, but winning is a habit, and Everton are in that habit. Obviously, December, four games, four wins, no goals conceded, which is probably the, the most pleasing thing. And Yesterday we went to Burnley and we were as efficient as ever, you know, 2-0 t- win. And we're going to be discussing that, of course, and, and looking ahead to, you know, a really, really important game on Tuesday as we, we have uh, Fulham coming to Goodison Park for the Carabao Cup quarter-final. But before we do that, introductions, first of all, and a, a new guest on the show, first time on the show, a friend of Lee's. So it's, it's through Lee's recommendation, so there's a lot of pressure here for you, Tim. Uh, but the, today's guest is uh, is Evertonian Tim Scott. Tim, how are you on uh, this this Sunday evening? Well, I'm I'm marvelous. After well, I'm sporting a hangover after being out in uh, Chester yes last night. But uh, yeah, watched the game there and obviously made up with the result. Uh, so it's get, got me through today, should we say? <laughs> it always helps, you know, when you've had a few drinks. Obviously, the night before that, uh, an Everton win is is probably one of the best hangover cures uh, that you can that you can come across. And we've. We've been, as you know, we've been in great form, of course. You know, we, we find ourselves, you know, we, we've, say, overturning these points. It's it's the wrong narrative uh, that we should be using, really, because the, the battle continues to get some of these points back, of course. But Everton have wiped out this this points deduction, and that's the most pleasing thing. In, in the space of five games since that's that's come in, obviously lost one against Manchester United, and then we've won the, the next four. And obviously Burnley away, Yesterday, Pete, was was a game that we we all thought that we should be winning, of course. I think we said on last week's show, we don't want to lose it. We don't want these sides to be to be catching us up. But for me, you know, look, looking at the game, it was pretty much Everton went out 100 miles an hour in the first half, made sure we got ahead by a couple of goals, put off the gas second half, saw it out, easy peasy. And there we are, three points, and, and you can't say much more than that, can you? Definitely, mate. And people might not forgive me for for bringing this up, but I couldn't help thinking about it constantly watching that game. That performance for me was the type of performance we should have put in when we went and played Burnley with with Frank Lampard. You know, the the infamous Dyche comments that we we didn't know how to win a game of football despite getting ahead, I think, on, on two occasions. And it's hard not to not to compare those two matches because the difference is night and day. Like you say, com- completely professional performance. You know, I think a lot of Blues, myself included, would have looked at the starting lineup and expected a a four four one one. I know Sky had us in that lineup before kickoff, and I think I was quite worried about the the left hand side of our defence. You know, with Michael Keane and Ben Ben Godfrey coming in. I know Godfrey's fulfilled that left back role for us a few times, but if it would have been that formation, he would he would have been playing very much out of position. And it was just such a consummate performance. Um, and, you know, tactically, I know we have used that system before, notably um, against Villa with some success. You know, Dash said in his comments that we we, we didn't have, um, you know, time to prepare in that system and that perhaps wasn't necessarily how we, we set up to approach the game. But you absolutely wouldn't have known watching that performance. I, I just thought we were sensational. I thought we got everything absolutely spot on, particularly in the first half, won the game in the first half, and then just came out the second half and put in a really professional performance. And it's it's great to see an Everton side that you have confidence in again. You know, as soon as soon as we as soon as we get the first goal, as soon as we go ahead, you, you just have belief 
that we're going to see it out. You just know how difficult we're going to make it for the opposition. It's nice to be enjoying football again. I think you're, you're totally, totally correct in what you're saying. And, and, and that tactical switch was, it was a really key factor in the game, wasn't it? Like you say, Pete, we've seen it this season against Aston Villa away in the Carabao Cup, and we're terrific doing it. Uh, we know yesterday, obviously, we, we'd lost Michalenko late on, which which the minds yeah, alluded to. We knew that Jared Brantwaite uh, was was in uh, was suspended. I'm sorry. We knew that Ashley Young was injured, so it, it takes out straight away three of your of your defenders who've been starting most most weeks. And from a centre half perspective, we were fearful. We've spoken about it on this podcast about what comes after Brantwaite and and, and Tarkovsky if, if we see injuries or suspensions. Obviously, Michael Keane and Ben Godfrey are the two. You then look at, but the, the manager went with the three centre ass, five at the back. Obviously, Dwight McNeil was that was that flying left wing back, uh, Nathan Patterson in, obviously um, on the right hand side as well. But was was that the most pleasing thing for for you, Tim? When you when you look at the game and you look at the fact that we had to make so many changes to to what was a side that you know you could pick week in week out. If everyone's fit, you could pick what side that Sean Dice would pick, wouldn't you? But to see us make so many changes to play, have a change in formation, to go out there in that first half especially and, and basically win the game. Is that the most pleasing thing that you've taken from a performance yesterday? Yeah, I mean, when I saw the lineup, I, I was really worried. <laughs> you know, Mikhailenko, as we all know, has been absolutely outstanding this season. You know, he looks so much fitter. He looks a different player to last season. You know, we've been getting game time. So I was concerned what formation we were actually going to line up with. And I've probably over the past been Michael Keane's biggest critic. But, you know, you couldn't fault him yesterday. You know, early, he was a massive presence in there. He won every tackle. Uh, you know, and the stats, his stats yesterday were fantastic. Um, but that, you know, it, that's what's pleasing. The winning habit we've got, everyone who comes into that side just seems to naturally have confidence, uh, which is great and what's Deitch has built up. Um, I mean, again, yesterday... Tarkovsky was absolutely superb. Uh, you know, and he has been for the last three or four weeks. You know, presence in every box. Um, just, yeah. Uh, and he, he holds you, know, he's held, held, holds that defence yesterday together. Well, it, it does, doesn't he? And, and, and we've said it for, for a long time now about how much of a, a leader we know that he is. And he said after the game about, you know, the fact Seamus Coleman is, is is a great leader and great captain yeah. and he just chips in when he can. But on the pitch, obviously, Seamus Coleman just came back from injury. Um, obviously, he's he played, about 55, 50 minutes before he got a little bit of a niggle, so he's got a little bit of a of an issue at this moment in time. But on the pitch, the, the, the real captain is, is, is James Tarkovsky. And, and I think that gives you a little bit of... It sets your mind at ease a little bit when you do have to make these kind of changes. You know, we talked Darren Brantway through games. You, you're bringing in Michael Keane, who's obviously played alongside Tarkovsky quite often anyway in the past. And then Ben Godfrey, who we know in a three, tends to play that little bit better and is that little bit more, that little bit more secure. But it was it was great to see, wasn't it, Lee? It was just it was just nice for us to, you know, we, we've had to utilize the squad. We're going to have to utilize the squad going forward because we are going to get suspensions. We are going to get injuries, obviously, a little niggle to, to the core uh, with them going off a hard time yesterday. But it was it was good for, for Michael Keane, especially, you, you'd probably say, to, to have a little bit of redemption. You know, like I say, he's got his detractors, mm. which which is understandable. You know, we, he's put in some poor performances o- over the years. Um, but Michael Keane, especially, Lee, he was one of the players, obviously got man in the match, who really stood out and came in from the cold to put in a really professional performance. Before I say anything, mate, I didn't know you were a, you were a poet. So with that poem at the start, there you have a John Keats in in, in the background, don't you? Listen, top of my head, that one as well. I don't know how I think them off. I've got to be honest with you. I don't know how I think them off. Very impressive, that mate. Very impressive. Um, but jokes aside, no, Keen, as, as Tim just alluded to, there was was outstanding yesterday, and rightly got man of the match, didn't he? Um, I think you know all of us would have been worried. He's a strange player, Michael Keane, really is. I mean, he's cost us so many goals over the years with his sort of lack of confidence. Sometimes you probably call it switching off, you know, making stupid mistakes. But he's also had some great games for us as well. Do you know what I mean? And that, and that can't be missed out either. And one thing I would always say, he's always given everything for the club. You know what I mean? He's, he's always stood up when, he, when, when he's counted. Like, you know, obviously you can't do much aside from, you know, when you, you know, when you natural football inability, you wouldn't say he's the best centre off we've ever had by any means. But 
he came in yesterday out of the cold, both him and Godfrey, barely, barely had a kick this season. And, and, and both of them were outstanding, absolutely outstanding. And I agree with you, it, it, well, what Pete was saying, we were talking before the game, when we were on the WhatsApp about, you know, how's he going to set up here? And, and he got it bang on. I mean, you, you alluded to, Mike, the, the Villa game, and that's exactly how he went. Um, you know, it's, it's a great, great uh, chance to sort of, um, in that cup game, to experiment, wasn't it? And he moved away from his, you know, his, his characteristic back four, went with a back five against Villa. And we, we absolutely uh, stifled the way they played, didn't we? And that night. And, you know, look at Villa's home record, by the way. Haven't they won from like 15, 16 15 games? Off the balance, yeah. yeah, exactly. So you've got to give it massive credit. We went there. OK, it was a cup game. They made a few changes. So did we. But, you know, not many teams go to Villa like that and, and, and effectively played them off the park. 2-1 flattered Villa that night. You know, it should have been, you know, we should have won by, I reckon, two or three in the end. And he's gone with it. And, you know, he said it himself. It was relatively last minute because Mikolenko was a very minute, last minute uh, uh, call, wasn't it? They decided to pull him out. So they've clearly not been working on that shape all week. Um, and then, you know, Keane may have thought he's going to come in as a straight swap for Branthwaite anyway. But certainly Godfrey would have been told relatively late going, look, mate, you're going to be coming straight in and we're going to play at centre-half in a back five. And, you know, I thought we eased our way into the game. Um, you know, we didn't press them high from the off like we did against Villa. If you remember that game against Villa, we, we really pressed them high from the off, didn't we? But here it took us a little bit of time to sort of ease our way in. I think that was deliberate as well. Let's see the players get used to the formation. And then once they were confident with the movements um, and, and, you know, the positional play, we then started to, you know, to, to enforce our game onto them. And we had a probably like 20 minute spell uh, where we completely stifled the way they play and we were pressing them high and we were creating chances, which led to the goal. So, you know, huge credit, huge credit for all the boys. I mean, you just alluded to it there, Tim. Confidence in any sport is massive, isn't it? And, and the players now, you could just, there's a real camaraderie there. They believe in what they're doing. And, and, and that's big credit to Daesh. How fragile have we been mentally over the last few years? You know, where you know teams, particularly away from home, our away record has been dreadful. And that normally comes down to a lot of it's mental strength, isn't it? When you go into someone else's backyard, you're under the cosh, the crowd are up for it. And every time we seem to go away now, we, you know, I think we're second behind Spurs, you know, for, for, for away points in the league. It's, it's absolutely incredible, the transformation. And a lot of that is down to mental strength and the players believing in the system and believing in each other. And as I said before, huge credit has got to go to Sean Dyche for that for me. Yeah, of course it does. I mean, the the, the away form, Everton have picked up 16 points in eight games, uh, which is it's joint second, if you like, uh, alongside a, a few other sides. Um, but some of those sides have played nine games and picked up the same number of points. Now, for a side who... We've said this in, um, in previous weeks when we obviously we've seen us go away again recently and to, to win games. Obviously, Forest and West Ham, the most recent Crystal Palace as well. Obviously, we Brentford as well a little bit early on in the season. And then again against Burnley. Our away form in the last two years has been horrific, absolutely horrendous. So for, for the manager to to get this side playing in a particular way, which is is really effective. Away from home, we've started to see a little bit of a shift at home now, of course. We, we picked up that win against Newcastle and then against Chelsea after the win against Bournemouth. So we're starting now to see the home form take off as well. That's unbelievable. And and the manager's got to you know, take immense immense credit and praise from, from all corners there because this side, when we, went, when we went away, it was very much a case of we're beaten before we even started. Whereas now, we go away from home. And more often than not, we expect to go and win the game. And yesterday was an, an example. Obviously, a side who, who weren't in great form and they haven't been in great form since you've come up. But you've got to go there and you've got to go and do your job. And yet again, we've come through adversity, which is it shows the strength of this 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 side, you know, to make so many changes and and go into a game where you know if you get the win, you're pulling well clear of any kind of relegation issues, even you know, despite this this 10-point deduction. You know, we, we should be, we should be one of the points off sixth. That's incredible. I don't care what anyone says. That that's some turnaround. That's a to have picked up so far this season. We've won twenty six points. That's unbelievable. You know we're nearly at last at last season's total already. So that you know it's great credit to the manager. But we've seen it time again this season, Pete, haven't we? How effective we are from set pieces, and yet again we see it again yesterday where you know we can 
we're such a threat. We're the biggest side in the league now, officially. Um, against the side, you know, we, we aren't not especially big, that's for sure. But we, we, we targeted their goalkeeper. We saw it in the second half as well when Michael Keane hit the post. But the goal, great ball from Dwight McNeil, the first goal, of course. And then big Amadou Onana in there, like a salmon above the goalkeeper's two, two, uh, two hands. He went up with two hands, which is a little bit strange. But how, how impressive is it to see Everton playing to our strengths now? Because that's what we're good at. You know, we know we can, you know, we've scored the most goals from set pieces out of any side in the Premier League, 10 goals. And that's, that doesn't include any kind of penalties. So 10 goals from set pieces for this Everton side, that's a massive weapon and something which the manager has hugely improved since he's come in. Well, look, it's, it's easy to have a short memory in football. And I, I think it's important to highlight both ends because from when Carlo Ancelotti came in, he had the problem of making us tougher to um, to beat at set, set pieces. We had this terrible record of conceding goal after goal um, every time the opposition got a set piece. And that that kind of problem, it, it continued into, into Rafa's reign, it continued into Frank Lampard's reign. And really, it's it's been Sean Dyche that's got a hold of it. And again, it's given us that backbone again. So it, it, it works at both ends of the pitch. And I, I really wanted to highlight it because I think it's so easy to forget that, you know, every time we would get a set piece conceded against us, you know, and I've been there at the game, you, you would feel it in the stadium, the, the, the fear, and the, the fear would seep in into the pitch. And we were just, we were completely inept. We looked absolutely clueless. So he's given us that solidity to play from. And then going forward, yeah, absolutely. Like you say, we're one of the tallest teams in the Premier League. We should be bullying other teams. We should be a threat. Um, so I mean, he's done, he's done an absolutely monumental job. Um, and by the way, without a um, a flavour of the month set piece, set piece coach, which seems to be all the rage at the moment, all the clubs are getting them in. And look, I'm I'm, I'm sure they're effective, but it it's just good to see Everton feel like a solid football side again with threat going forward, which we should have. But also that solidity at the back, you know, you, you don't feel fearful now when we can see the set piece. You've got confidence in the team. Um, and, you know, when we when we do win the ball, we tend to go forward and do something with it as well. It was like Duncan Ferguson-esque, I thought that header, wasn't it? <laughs> Big dunk back in the day, you know what I mean? Literally back stick, rose, rose above <laughs> everyone, nutted it down. It was a hell of a header. I mean, to be fair, when Onana first came in, we were quite critical of when he we used to get, you know, because the size of the lad, you think he should be way more of a threat uh, on set pieces. And I think whenever he did get his header on it, he, he, he either mistimed his jump or he'd never really get a proper connection. He's clearly been working on that. And that, that was that, that was big dunk there at the back stick. Uh, like you said, I'm not sure quite what the keeper was doing, Mike, going with both hands. He didn't obviously get off the ground barely, did he? Um, but to be fair, he's a good young keeper. He kept the minute against Brighton last week with some incredible saves. And to be fair, the, the, what led to the goal uh, was a hell of a cross by Patterson. Mm. Who, by the way, I'm really chuffed to add, on the whole, a pretty solid game. He got caught out a couple of times with the ball in behind him. But on the whole, had a solid game. And he put a great ball in for, for Calvert-Lewin. And I mean, that's a great header. I mean, other than putting it wide of the keeper, he's done everything right, hasn't he? He's headed it down, um, power, used the pace of the cross well. And that's a good save. Hell of a save by the keeper there, right down by his knee. Knees, he pushed out for the corner, which obviously ultimately led to the goal. But um, yeah, agree with Pete. I think set pieces, we know how important they are in football. Um, and, you know, both goals essentially came from set pieces, um, which allowed us obviously to go on and win the game. But you've got to have different ways of scoring. You can't all just play, you know, play through teams and you're going to have tight games. Sometimes it does come down to a set piece. Um, but yeah, Massively happy for Onana, who, who, by the way, I know Keane got the plaudits and rightly so. Onana coming back in the side there, um, you know, was outstanding yesterday, wasn't he? He was everything a central midfielder should be. You know, he, he covered the he covered the grass. He was strong in the tackle. He's, he's, he's very good technically. He's clearly a confident lad. Barely gave the ball away. I mean, it was a complete midfield performance for me yesterday and he got the goal. Well, you know, my thoughts on Onana, I've sang his praises for, for, for a long, long time. You know, we, even during his, his inconsistent first season, you can see what he's all about. You can see how good he's going to be. And, and you know, as much as we, you know, our form has been, has been good, 
when he was injured, we still missed him. You, you missed having him in, you know, that physical presence in the middle of the midfield, his calmness on the ball, the fact that he could pick the ball up off the back four and, and take it forward and relieve a bit of pressure. He's creating the tackle. And with having obviously Garner Gay um, suspended yesterday, massively important that, that Onana was fit and he, and he was straight back in. And, you know, it, again, it just shows that a little bit of little bit of depth in the, in the squad, the fact that, you know, the, the the squad do seem to be together, a collective unit. You know, you know, players are coming in and you know, they're taking the chances. You know, when, when we look ahead to, to Tuesday, you know, the manager's got a few questions to ask. You know, with Mikhailenko's back, for City's touch and go. You, you've then got the likes of, obviously, Garner Gay and Branthwaite to come back in as well. You know, they're, they're back from suspension. So th- there's questions to be asked. You know, do, do you take Godfrey out? Do you take Keane out? But that's the kind of questions that you want to be asking as a manager. Um, how many, you know, the last, last couple of seasons... We, we've been literally down, down on our looking down to, to, to the bare bones or we've had, say, 11, 12 players that we feel are competitive and the rest are sort of fringe and don't offer anything at all. Now, you're looking at sort of 15, 16 players who are all vying to, to, to be in that starting 11. So outside of, you know, Jordan Pickford is, is probably not challenged at all, but a lot of other players are, you know, when their positions are not secure. Um, so that's that's a great a great uh, great thing to have. But you know, let let let's go on to to Michael Keane if we can, because obviously Michael Keane came in as we said earlier on, and um, outside of the fact that you know he, he was terrific defensively, he's come in and he scored a goal again. And how many times in in recent seasons have we seen this from Michael Keane? You know, scored a massively important goal in that in that famous Palace game to, to get us back into it uh, under Frank Lampard. Score an absolute score against Tottenham to get us a one-all draw last season, and then we see him see him again yesterday. Tim, he's up there, isn't he? Unlucky with his first first shot, decent save by the keeper, uh, but obviously bounces out, hits the defender, comes back to him, and like a like a seasoned striker, he's just there. He's just just, just to slot the ball home. But great for him, isn't it? You know, it's you know we, we laugh about it, but we we've said numerous times I could see him doing a job up front, and people people laugh, but. He's got he's got a, a decent technique for for a centre half and lo- lovely for him after you know being out of the side and and dropped there on in the season rightly so to come back in and and score a goal like that. I was made up for him, Mike. I think, uh, but the you know, the composure you know that he had for I mean he, he hit the first one really well and it was a cracking save by the keeper and then to just sort of calmly slot it to the keeper's side was just uh, yeah. Fantastic finish. Uh, I think some of our other strikers could learn a lot from him as well. <laughs> I think you're right. I think, you know, as I said, some of the goals he has scored for us, the, the technique that he's got, you know, he, he looks like a like a semi-decent striker at times, you know, with the, how, how, he, how, he, uh, how he strikes a ball. And that was lovely, lovely to see. And he could have had a second second half, you know, he, another another set piece, isn't it? And, the, you know, the, the keeper gets a touch on it. He's at the back post, unlucky. You know, he he's just had to try and get a touch on it on a, on a an acute angle there, and it's and it struck the post. But he's a big threat. He's a big lad. You know, when you when you're putting him into the, into into this side now, you look at the at the size of us yesterday. You had the likes of Keenan and Tarkovsky, obviously Calvert Lewin. You got Onana. Um, you know, the core he's not as big as people think he is. By the way, his legs his legs are five and a half foot. But there is his torso <laughs> is only about uh, thirty centimeters, so he doesn't he doesn't, doesn't have to get over six foot, believe it or not. But we have got some we've got some really big players in there, and and we can do some real damage. And I think you, you said it earlier on, Peter, about you know Everton bullying sides some set pieces. I think we saw it. I think we saw it. You know, quite often. And I think you know when you when you play sides and they know you know we we've now scored ten goals from set pieces that plays into the you know to the to the opposition sides thinking you know we've got a big side coming into town we've got to be on our game if they're not particularly proficient uh, at defending set pieces or they're not particularly big they know that there's a huge threat coming um, but great for Michael Keane Pete wasn't it just to come in slot in so seamlessly. As as Tim was saying, he, he was delighted for him to, to see him get that goal. But just to come in and play so well, you know, we know we know he's a confidence player. We we know he struggles, doesn't he? When he's quite often in a two, he struggles. He needs a little. He needs a leader beside him, which he's got obviously in Tarkovsky. But he came in seamless into a back three, as we said. You know, we had to make make late changes. And for a player who, who thrives on just having that little bit of confidence, that having an arm around him and being loved. 
it was lovely just to see that the scenes at the end as well, than getting the, the adulation of the of the away fans. Definitely. It didn't look like a player who's not been playing football, did he? Just, it came in absolutely seamlessly, like you say. And I, I'm struggling to think about um, when the last time would be that he would have played with Ben Godfrey too. So, like mm-hmm. you say, he's, he's coming in a you know brand new system. Uh, probably a back three that played very, very little football together. I can't think off the top of my head whether they've played in a back three together before. Um, but yeah, he was absolutely outstanding. And I, I'm, I'm really pleased for him. And like you say, Mike, it, it gives us really good problems to have because it lifts the confidence of the squad. And it means that then we've got you know one or two players on the bench that instead of looking at the bench thinking, gosh, what have we got? You're looking at the bench thinking we've got competition for places and we've got players that can come in and slot in and, you know, do a quality job if if they need to and if they're called on. So it, it just benefits us all round. Um, and I, I want to give a quick nod to Ben Godfrey as well, because I thought he had another out. It was another outstanding performance, and it was his chance to I think to shine a little bit and to prove a point, to prove some of the doubters wrong. And I feel like he's one of those players that Evertonians are just kind of willing to do well. You know, I think he's he's well liked. Ben Godfrey and well thought of, but you know, for a, a number of complex I- issues around injuries and momentum and getting into the squad, it's not quite worked out for him. Um, but the, the, there was a, I think, a particular moment uh, in was it the first half? The ball c- came across, and he it, it was an absolutely world class clearance. And it, it's free time, wasn't it? The first half. Yeah, I wanted to highlight it because something Ben Godfrey's coming. For, you know, for a bit of criticism for in his previous performances is his positioning, um, and arguably he's been found wanting a few times when he's he's played centre half for us, and I just think he got it absolutely spot on. His, his positioning, his time, and his reading of the play, and I, I was just really pleased for him and and Michael Keane. Um, yeah, hopefully it's good problems all round, and um, it, you know the games come thick and fast now, so. We, we will need to use the squad and we will need that cover and it just puts us in a much better position, doesn't it? I agree with you on Godfrey, Pete. I think there's no doubt in the lad's an athlete. You know, he's, he's, he's a clear athlete. You only have to see him on the pads, don't you, with the boxing. I mean, he, he looked like he could be a boxing pro, never mind a footballer. But, um, but no, his pace, his pace is his biggest asset. Uh, and that clearance, if you look at it again, it's his pace that actually gets there. You know, he, he kind of loses the man in the first place a little bit, which is what you said before, Pete. He's occasional, you know, he has the occasional lapse. But then his pace to get back in position. And by the way, not only to get to the ball, but to put it on the side of the post as well. You know what I mean? It's, he was running at such pace. He could have easily, you know, put that into his own net. You know, he got there first and then diverted it about a foot past the post. Um, and his speed there, you know, he's arguably probably is the quickest player in the club. He'll tell you he is. Although Calvert-Lewin might have a word to say there, but I think he clearly is uh, a quick lad. And, you know, I kind of feel for him. He's been linked with Spurs, hasn't he, in January. Um, apparently they're sniffing around him, um, you know, and they're having a very good season under a good manager. Um, I still think there's a real play there. He's, he's been unlucky. with He had that horrible injury, didn't he, at the start of last season, which really uh, slowed him down. But also, he's also been a bit unlucky in the fact that he's been guilty of his own versatility, hasn't he, in the fact that he's been shoved out to to left back for a number of games then to right back and purely because mainly because of how, good, how much of an athlete he is like I said before you know he's so quick and he's aggressive in the tackle and I think that stunted his progress at centre half because we ultimately bought him as a centre back didn't we and you know he's, he's never been able to sort of you know cement his, his, his place at centre half for a sustained period of time uh, and develop as that because we bought him as a young kid from Norwich he wasn't the finished article when we got him um, and I do kind of feel sorry for him in the fact that, you know, his, his career's never really got going. And like I said, that injury did did really kill him. I mean, Mike, you said, I think back then as well, he also got COVID, didn't he, at the start, the start of uh, the season. That really affected him, didn't it, as well, um, in terms of his fitness. He didn't seem to be the same player in terms of sharpness, so he always seemed to be gassing after every sprint, didn't he? And, but he, he looked, he looked fit, he looked hungry yesterday. Um you know, and, and, and like I said before, Dice has created this now. When the other other guys come in, he's created an environment now for to allow them to play. I, I wouldn't want to sell him in January. I think the club would be stupid to sell him in January. You know, we'd have to find a replacement, wouldn't we, to, to, to provide that sort of cover. So, you know, I don't think Everton should be looking to do that unless they're given a stupid offer. But, um, yeah, 
great shout there, Pete. Obviously, Keane got the man of the match, but Godfrey should have, you know, equally got as much plaudit. I think as well, uh, what, what impressed me with that with that clearance or that tackle, if you like, um, to put it behind the corner, one, obviously, the time of the game, the difference between going in a 2-0 and going in a 2-1 is massive mentally, you know, so you can see that goal, doubt start to creep in, you, you sit even deeper in the, in the second half and then you invite them on. So that was really important, but I think also, Showing that recovery pace because what he what we think he has lost a little bit of since obviously the, the long COVID and don't forget the leg break at the start of last season it wasn't that long ago you know we we got to we remember that fifteen months ago sixteen months ago he broke his leg and he was out for a long time you know a good sort of what three four months or so so all that combined he seems to have lost half a yard so to see him with that recovery pace yesterday in that situation was was fantastic and as I say it's about players. When they get the chance, coming in and taking the chance, you know we saw it with Lewis Dobbin uh, with his goal against Chelsea. He came on at half time for the Cora yesterday. So yet again, the managers, you know, trusting him as a twenty-year-old player to come on against, you know, ahead of the likes of Dan Juma, um, who, who's sitting there thinking, "What have I got to do to to, to get a game?" Um, but when players are getting the chance to actually get some kind of game time now, there, there must be that there's a culture of well. I'm coming into a winning side. You know, this is a side. Or if we won 10 out of 14, that, that's some form now. It doesn't matter what side you are. If, if the likes of City or Liverpool are doing that, they'd be shouting the rooftops about winning 10 games out of 14. That's unbelievable. As I say, strip it back. This is a side. You know, in the last two seasons, could have gone down. You know, we went into the second to last game against Crystal Palace under Frank Lampard. And then last season, last game of the season against Bournemouth. This is a side. He's won 10 out of 14 games. A manager's come in. You know, a lot of the players have been there under the last two managers. He's obviously brought in a few of his own players as well. He's got he's got this side set up, you know, to, to be difficult to beat, which is the important thing. We saw it again yesterday. We gave up a lot of the ball to Burnley. That's not a problem for this side because we're clinical. We, we, we get chances and we take them. And that's what, what we've been crying out for. And that's what this side are doing. So, you know, everyone knows now when they get the chance, if you want game time now, when you come on or when you get get a start out of nowhere, you've got to take your chance. And players now, that, that increases performance level straight away. We saw it yesterday. You've seen it in previous games. Players that are coming in are now having to take the chance. Otherwise, the manager won't look at you. And that, that's where we are. And that, that's that's a really, a really important and, and, and impressive thing. And for us to, to come away from yet another away game with a, a comfortable 2-0 win. You know, Jordan picked for that to make one. Decent save, you'd argue, probably second half, where he's you know, his, his, his top hands palm the ball away from a, a shot from, say, 18, 19 yards out. You'd say he should always make it. Good save. But he wasn't he wasn't massively tested again. We're not seeing Pickford getting tested, are we, every single week? Which is, you know, last season and the season before, we've said how important Pickford's been and, and keeping us in the Premier League, the saves he's been making. He faced a lot of shots. He's not facing a lot of shots at this moment in time. Shots that he's got to do something with and got to really... Really saved them, so that's a really impressive thing. You know, this the is big thing, yeah. the big thing to me, Mike, as well is you know, as well as the resilience and organization, the fitness of the players is incredible. Mm. You know, compared to last year, that's the big one of the big noticeable things for me. Why we're a different side, their players look fit, they'll, they'll run for 95 minutes. You know, and he's got them. And you know, anyone who comes into the side, like we said about Keane, he comes in, he's fit. Yeah, and that to me is a big difference to where we are this season compared to previous seasons. Yeah, the, the fitness, the fitness levels of, the, of this side, I think, are night and day. We, we we've seen it over over previous years. Don't get me wrong, I think when you're winning games as well, that always gives you an extra few percent. I think, but look how we started the game yesterday. That first half, Everton it was was, was so busy. We swarmed them, didn't we? You know, the one where I think Patterson put the ball in for Calvert Lewin. He wins the ball. He, he jumps in, gets ahead of the, of the attacker. A little bit of a little bit of a, a one-two. Puts the ball in. As as Lee said, good header, good save. Get the corner, we score from it. You know, you see James Garner yet again, busy all the time, buzzing around. He, you know, he's he's a player who can go unnoticed in terms of what he actually does. But what he actually does is really important. You know, and we know how good he is technically. But his work rate is, is fantastic. You, you see McNeil doing the same thing, how busy he is. You know, it's just Jack Harrison 
we've had this in recent weeks where you think, oh, Jack Harris has not done a great deal. Yes, he, he provides countless assists, but his work rate is terrific. You know, that's what we're seeing from these players. Like you say, the man just got them really, really fit. And, and it's credit to him, to Ian Wone, Steve Stone, you know, those kind of people on the on the training ground. But, you know, when when, when winning becomes it becomes a habit, it really helps, I think, players when they, when they cross that white line to, to put that extra sort of two or three percent in. And it's what, what, what we're seeing. And it's it's just nice, nice to see. We said last week about having those um those three three wins on the spin that we that we saw obviously Forest, Newcastle, Chelsea in, in eight days. It was nice just to enjoy football because we, you know, I'm I'm sick and tired of, of thinking about finances and and takeovers and you know people using administration and things like that in, in conversations and you just think I just want to watch football and, and enjoy watching my team play football. And that's what the mind just has brought us. You know, he's he's got us now playing a brand of football that we all understand how it goes. We all understand we're going to give the ball and the, and the possession. But we know that this side, they're putting everything out there. They're trying to win every single game that they play. And they're competitive in every single game that they play. And you, you can't really say more than that. And just another another great great away performance and another another great win. Um, but well, I think I think I think I think we'd say quite comfortably now we've got our Everton back, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, it's it's very we've, it's we've very sort of Everton like, you know what I mean? It's Everton like in terms of how how we, how we play. If if you said, you know, what do you see Everton as a football side in terms of set up and what we expect to see as fans? That's it, isn't it? Yeah, look, I, I don't get me wrong. We're, we're not the next coming of the seventies Brazil, are we? Right now, but at the same time. You know, Everton, like you just said before, we're competitive in every single game. Yeah, look, Moyes, when he first came in, we talked about this. You know, he didn't suddenly start playing, you know, wondrous football, did he? He built up to that over a period of time. You know, he had a solid base. We were always hard to beat. Um, the only criticism you'd say of Moyes is that we never really turned it on or did anything against the big boys, did we? I mean, his record against the big teams was quite poor. But in these sort of games, you know, we always turned up and we always invariably got a result, you know, home or away against the teams outside the top five or six. And 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 you can see that with Dyche now. You know what I mean? He's, he's doing it. He's, he's making us resilient. The next stage, you would say, you know, it doesn't have to be imminent, but the next stage is, can we add to that? You know, can we add that little bit of quality? You know, and there has been moments of quality, quality don't get me wrong, but what I'm saying is, is that's probably the next stage, isn't it, in terms of down the line? You know, we all want to see, you know, tricky wingers and skillful, skillful play and patterns of play, little one-twos, third-man runs, all that. Of course we do. We want to see all that. But right now, this is this is an Everton team that are battling for each other. You know, the fans absolutely loving the players on the pitch. It's reciprocated. You know, like you said before, Mike, you know, Michael Keane there getting applauded off there. You must have felt like a million dollars coming off that pitch. You know what I mean? And also, I'm glad you mentioned James Garner. I think what a complete footballer he is. You know, great in the tackle. You know, his passing is always bob on. You know, his energy levels are phenomenal, aren't they? I mean, since he's come into the side, he's really such a rounded midfielder. He's improved us massively. And also, you know, I don't think you'll get any credit because he hasn't scored a lot of goals recently. But Calvert-Lewin has completely transformed the way we play, by the way. You know, his ability to occupy centre-halves, his ability, he's still got that pace in behind, so he offers that threat as well. He wins his fair share of headers. You know, I know he hasn't scored for a few games now, but he just gives us that platform, doesn't he, from which to play from. And you notice it, you know, we, this time last year we had Mope, even at the start of the season. You've you got to remember, was it the first five games of the season? We'd lost, or the first six games, we'd lost four games, haven't we, out, out of six? You know, that, that's a hell of a transformation. And, and a lot of that was because Mope started the season. We absolutely tonked Fulham and, uh, and, and Wolves and didn't get a result and we couldn't put the ball in the net. And since Calvert-Lewin's come in the team, he's, he's totally transformed the way we play, like I said before. And, you know, you know he, he got the winning goal against West Ham with a lovely Cruyff and a finish in the bottom corner. He was unlucky not to score yesterday. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, the way we play now is not the way it was under Carlo, was it, where he was, a, he was an Inzaghi penalty box striker. He has to do a lot more for the team now. Carlo used to say to him, didn't he, look, don't waste your time battling with centre-halves. You know, we'll, we'll feed you, just get in the box. Um, and, and, you know, you got a lot of goals off the back of it, a lot of poachers' goals. But right now, and I know Pete will back me up on this, I, I, you know, he, he's, he's been superb, hasn't he, Pete? 
Yeah, he's been absolutely outstanding for us. I was just going to say there, I, th- I think the Moyes comparisons are, are apt, really, because the last time we won four in a row was 2002, in the middle of that, that Moyes era. And I think what David Moyes gave us was stability and consistency, but it was the platform that Everton needed to try and go out and be more successful. And, you know, we... We, we rolled the dice and it didn't quite work out for us and we're, we're kind of having to go back to basics now. But that's the hope, isn't it? That that's what Sean Dyche represents for us and that's what he's achieving at the moment, that this is kind of the, the Everton that we expect. This is now the bare minimum. And I think even the United game's a good barometer of that. You know, we, we lose that game 3-0, but you come away and you think, you know what, we played well. And we, all the things that you would expect from an Everton performance were there. And despite the scoreline, you know, we were unlucky. And next week, if we play like that, we'll get it, we'll get a good result. And that's exactly what happened. And it just gives you so much confidence and belief in the team. And, you know, you can start getting excited about football again. It's it's a good place to be. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the, the Moyes comparison, like you say, it, it is very apt. And those winning four games in a row while conceding for the first time since November 2020, uh, sorry, you know, it, it's a great comparison to have. You know, we were difficult to beat under under David Moyes. You know, for a lot of his tenure, um, obviously we had a few little sticky patches here and there, but you know, we, we were always known as being a, a gritty side and, and a side that worked the backside off. You, you could have, you know, not as much talent as the side that you play against, but if you want it more, then you can win the game, and that's what we're seeing with this Everton side. You know, when we've seen it in recent weeks, especially. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just just nice to see. And obviously, you mentioned Calvert Lewin there. We know how important he is to this side. And but again, though, he's getting pushed by Beto. Beto comes on yesterday, nearly scores a goal late on, doesn't he? You know, another another, another lovely run that he makes. And it, the the angles are cute, but decent save from the keeper. But again, he's in there, and he and he's another decent player behind our number one striker who's pushing him. No one full well. You know, if you if your levels do drop off, Dom. Then this fella's going to come in. You know, we got his first Premier League goal of the week. He's he's riding high. We know what he can do. Um, and this is what we've what we've been crying for for the last last couple of seasons is this kind of competition in terms of for, for places in the in the start eleven and the squad. You know, we had quite a few youngsters on the bench yesterday, but we know, you know, you had then injury to Coleman, Ashley Young and Michalenko. There's three. You had suspensions for for Tarkovsky. And uh, and Garner Gay, there's another two, so that takes out any sort of youngsters on there outside of Lewis Dobbin. But you know, th- there is there is certainly competition there, and I think it, it was very important for these players, like I said, to when they came in yesterday. There's a big game on Tuesday. There's a massive game on Tuesday now. So what does the manager do? You know, do, does he stick with certain players who play well? Does he bring players back in? You know, but. We're going to take a short break and discuss that massively important game on Tuesday night in a couple of minutes' time. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Trinity podcast as all eyes are now on this uh, this Carabao Cup quarter final. We, we've been looking forward to this, obviously, since the last round, um, of course. You know, we the, the gap's been massive, it seems, from that, that previous round to, to this. When the draw was made, I think we were all satisfied. Any any home tie Goodison Park, we, we fancy ourselves. Fulham were in great form. Um, turned a bit of a corner of late, you know, those two, those two five nil wins against Forest and West Ham at home have helped them. They went to Anfield and they they, they lost two late goals there to get beat by four goals to three. We saw them this weekend lose to, to Newcastle after getting him and his sense off, which by the way is great for Tuesday. Um, but aside under former Everton manager Marco Silva, he, he's got them in and around mid table, I think on 21 points. Got Alex Obobi. It'll be his first time back at Goodison Park since he since he left the club. But but Tim, you've got to be looking forward to this. You know, we 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 always say, I mean, I'm a great believer and I'm on into cup runs, I'm into cup wins. You know, cup runs mean nothing to me because you don't win nothing for, for getting to a quarter final or a semi-final. You know, it's all about Wembley and winning the trophy. Um but you know, Tuesday is the next step along the way, a couple of steps from from Wembley. Um, opposition, you know, they've they stepped up in the last last week or so. But Fulham, decent side. We we know what Marco Silva's all about, and it's going to be a an interesting game on Tuesday night, isn't it? I'm really looking forward to it. I think, uh, I mean, yeah, we we dominated the game against them first game of the season at home. Um, yeah, I think Lee touched on. We just had the number of chances we created, uh, but somehow, yeah, we managed to lose that game. Uh, you know, I'm confident we can get a result. 
Um, you know, it's a uh, you know if we win tonight or win on Tuesday, you know, there's a chance we could get Borough or Port Vale in the semi-final, and then you're at Wembley in a one-off game. Um, so it's a great chance for us to win a trophy. Uh, I'm sure he'll play his strongest team. You know, it's going to be very interesting who he decides to play. As we said, does he stick with a back five or does he go back to the back to the back four? Um, I've just got a I've just got a horrible feeling, Mister Awobi could be the pantomime villain on a Tuesday night. But because he, he I, I know a couple of Fulham fans and he's he's tearing up for them. They really love him down there. Uh, so I just hope that's not the case. <laughs> Don't tempt fate, Tim. Please don't tempt fate. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a, there's a love-hate relationship with Iwobi at this club. I, I, I've, I'll stand up from anyone that tries to slay from Everton. I, I thought he started slowly in his career, yeah. but towards the end, he was he was one of the big reasons we stayed up. You know what I mean? And people forget that. Um, you know, I know people slated him. He didn't he didn't score enough goals and probably get enough enough assists. And I probably agree with that. Um, but the amount of times he used to effectively get the pre-assist, didn't he? Or create the space for the goal or whatever. And, you know, that goal against Newcastle will be forever remembered by me. Essentially, that kept us up, you know what I mean? Against the horse punches. So, you know, fair, fair play. He'll always be remembered uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned for that. And, yeah, I would, if you'd asked me when the draw was made, I was very confident. I think all of us would probably say very confident we'd get through. But up until recently, they've really hit a purple patch of form. We did talk about it briefly last week. You know, before the game yesterday against Newcastle, they'd won the last two games 5-0. You know what I mean? And they're really starting to hit a bit of form. And, you know, the Newcastle game was massively affected yesterday by the Jimenez sending off, wasn't it? Um, which obviously, you know, is good for us because it means he misses the next game. Um, and Jimenez had just scored three in his last two games himself, so was hitting a little bit of form. So that, that you know, that is a, you know, they'll obviously have Vinicius up front now, won't they? Which is a completely different, different threat altogether. But, for me, he's not as good a striker as as as, as uh, Raúl Jiménez, so that's a big plus for us. Um, and like I said, that game you can pretty much ignore the Newcastle one because of the sending off after twenty minutes. But I think the game will be tougher than we think because they're playing with confidence. You know, they've got some good good players going forward. Willian still got it, still got it for me. He's a good, really good player. I know he's touch and go with the hamstring potentially, but. He, he he causes problems no matter you know who he plays. He's, he's a very very sprightly player. Got a great shot on him. As we said, Awobi, we talked about him before. Um, Paulinho, you know, defensive mid is, a, is a, you know one of the best defensive mids in the league. Um, I really like the right back. I, I wanted us to maybe try and go in for him. Um, you know, the Belgian kid. But um, you know what? Overall, we should be favourites going in. Um, I don't want to tempt fate because we, we are playing brilliant. I mean, if we turn up like anything we have done recently, we should win. But we've been here before in quarterfinals, haven't we? Um, Wigan springs to mind, Lee. <laughs> and I was about to say, you said the words out of my mouth, mate, when we had Wigan. It was Roberto Martinez's Wigan, no less, wasn't it? And, yeah. you know, we, we were in great form then, if I remember rightly, and, and, and they turned us over. Was it 3-0? It was unbelievable, that, wasn't it? Um, but, uh, look, there's a real feel-good factor around the club right now, and 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 you know that's that's exactly where you want to be as a football club. We're riding that wave right now, and hopefully the form continues. Yeah, obviously we, we hope it does. You know, um, we are favourites according to the uh, to the, the latest odds, um, quite comfortably actually, which which is a makes a change. But obviously with the form that we're in, you know, when you go on these kind of runs and yeah. You know, you you have one as a ten out, say ten out of fourteen games. People start to take notice, and, and right, rightly so. Um, but but Pete, would you? You know, obviously we've got Brantwaite back. We we know that. We're not sure yet on on Mikhailenko. I think I think a lot will hinge on on maybe his fitness in terms of how we set up. If we've got Mikhailenko back in there, obviously we've got Brantwaite. Do, do you simply just go back to a back four with Patterson playing right back and and, and Tarkovsky playing as the other centre half? For me, yeah, because that that that's our best team, I think, and I I think the the back five probably really suits Keane Godfrey. Um, but I, you know, like we were saying earlier, it's it, it's a good problem to have. But I I just think 
Jared Branthwaite's been absolutely outstanding. He's been Mr. Consistent. He's been one of the best defenders in Europe when you look at the stats. And Mikalenko as well. I mean, how often have we spoke about Mikalenko on, on this podcast over kind of the past six or seven weeks? Again, he's Mr. Consistent and he's just getting better and better every week. So if they're fit, if they're available, I'd go back to our strongest side, back four. And also you get the best out of Dwight McNeil there. Um, I thought he had a very good game against Burnley, but it's hard for him to affect the game and to uh, to play his game in the same way when he's having to play that defensive role for us. So you get more out of him that way as well. Uh, so I just think we'll have more balance if, if we can go to the back four, but I, I think it'll probably be a decision based on personnel. And of course, there's Decore as well to factor into that. He went off with a bit of a tight hamstring. Hopefully that's a precaution and he's available, but that could shift the manager's thinking as well in terms of what system he goes with. That's a good point, that under Corey, isn't it, Pete? I think um, hopefully, you know, it's nothing more than just a precaution that he said he felt something, didn't he? So will he risk him? Maybe they'll have to, have to do a scan and check it to see if he has potentially twinged. Um, he's been brilliant for us since Dice has come in. Um, you know, roughly a one in three goal scoring record, which is brilliant for a midfielder. Um, and look, yesterday, you know, he was playing deeper again, wasn't he, yesterday? I mean, this is where you've got to give a bit of credit to Dice. You know, everyone sort of, you know, puts him in the same bracket as Allardyce and Rafa and people like that. He's obviously got a bit more to him than that, you know what I mean? And, and he clearly has. You know, the way he set us up yesterday, you know, with with obviously Decore dropping in deep, almost in like a, a double six there with Onana, and obviously they were breaking at different times. But then he had Garner and um, and uh, Harrison, didn't he, playing, playing high, uh, higher up. Obviously, you know, Garner was drifting in from the right-hand side, freeing up the space for Patterson to get down the right. You know, there's, there's a lot to be said for Dice. You know, I think he plays on it as well, doesn't he? I think he, he likes to think that, yeah, look, you categorise me wherever you want, but I know I've got a bit more to my game or a bit more to my, you know, how I set teams up than, than people like to give me credit for. And, you know, he's getting, he, and he is rightly so getting getting the credit for it right now. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, but on that, on that Decore point, if Decore is injured, bear in mind, we have seen, obviously, against Newcastle when we didn't have of Onana, the Corey dropped back into centre mid, didn't he? And we actually played Jack Harrison as as the ten. So the Corey is not fit. Obviously Onana's back anyway. You have your midfield two of Onana and James Garner, and put put Jack Harrison maybe a little bit um, further forward as as a number ten off off Dominic Calvert Lewin. The question is then, what do you do on that right hand side, isn't it? You know, because you've got Dwight McNeil on the left. Do you then say to Dan Juma come in? Do you say to Lewis Dobbin you can start the game there and and utilize your pace, give give us sort of sixty minutes? You know what 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 do we do? But again, th- there's options there, and and the mind you, you know it's it's questions that he's he's got to answer. Um, obviously against Newcastle we saw Rashley Young play there. We're not sure how you know he's going to be. I think a little bit longer. He won't be won't be fifth for for Tuesday. But we do have people who can come in. And and do his job there. Uh, it'd be interesting to see. You know, he could even play. Dan Juma got a chance as the number ten, didn't he, against Burnley in the in the Carabao Cup? Didn't really set the world alight. And that was the game. I think I think when we when he looks back at that game, he'll think that was my chance. You know, that was my chance to to stake a bit of a claim, show the manager what I can do. And since then, we've not really seen him. And and I think you know that's why. Thinking about the game on Tuesday, if we haven't got the core, we've got to make a few changes to our attacking, our attacking lineup. Maybe it is Lewis Dobbin who comes in, you know. But nice, like you say, nice, nice uh, issues to have for for once for for us. Um, but it's it's What's a game. What's the news on Coleman, Mike? Is he is he is he essentially fit? Was he touch and go for the weekend? Or I think I think we'll probably see Coleman. Spurs is probably as a the age that we'll see him. He was there yesterday. He's always there, isn't he? He travels everywhere. Seamus Collins. He, he? he was on the bench, wasn't he? Uh, but he wasn't in the squad. So he, he's a player. He, he wants to be in and around it. You know, we, he's got an important role as as club captain. Uh, takes it very seriously. But I think yeah, he's a little bit longer. So him, him and Ashley Younger think potentially going into the weekend. It might be Michalenko. Could be exactly the same. He could be the weekend. We just don't know. So. A lot of questions. If you got these injuries, not not so much the the Seamus Coleman question because he's not being starting. And even Ashley Young, you know, Patterson should keep his place. Uh, but we've seen Patterson play well before. Don't forget, and still be dropped. So we just don't know about mm. what goes through Sean Dyson. I, now, I was but... just thinking there. Sorry to interject. You know, if Coleman is fit or even Young's fit, Young will probably get the right hand side if he if he is fit. But he, like you said, if he's not, and it's unlikely that he is. 
could you play Patterson higher up and have Coleman play right back? You know, that's an option, isn't it, Tim? I actually think, Lee, our best performance of the season was against Newcastle. And I, I thought Harrison had his best game of the season against Newcastle. He was superb in that number 10 role. He was busy. He cut off the supply to Gramares as well. Uh, he was instrumental. And that, you know, I quite, I thought Ashley Young further forward, you know, he had one of his, he, he probably had his best game for us as well that night. So I wouldn't be averse to Dyche going with Harrison in number 10, you know, putting Young out wide with McNeil on the other side. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I think I think if, if Young is fit, I think he, he will come in today. If we haven't got the core, yeah. it makes perfect sense. And and like we said after after that particular game, you know, it's he's less chance of making a mistake if he's if he's playing right wing as opposed to right back. You know, and that's just where we are. You know, we said it before. Ashley Young should be a squad player. He should he should come on when we we need legs in the last sort of 15, 20 minutes. Um, he shouldn't be our starting right back. It, it should that that mantle now should be passing Nathan, Nathan Patterson. Um, although I still believe that on this day, Seamus Coleman is still our best right back. But obviously, at, at the age that he is, he should be sort of winding down now, and it should be Patterson's place to, to lose. And for me, he didn't deserve to be dropped after the West Ham game when he, he replaced Young, who was suspended. I, I, I think that he, after the first 10 or 15 minutes, he had a really good game. Um, so now, obviously, with him getting that game yesterday, he came on for, for quite a bit of time for Seamus Coleman against, against Chelsea. Don't forget as well. So we start to get some more minutes in the legs, um, and, and I really think now it's it's his place to lose, even when we've got these players back fit. Um, but you know, there's there's players there, there's players there to come in and, and take the chance. But looking forward to it, you know, we, we of course it's our, our last time of Goodison before before Christmas. Um, we've been looking forward to this one for it for a while. The feel good factor as well in Sunni back in terms of on the field at Everton. The fans are massively invested. There seems to be a fantastic relationship between fans, players, manager. You know, we're we're all fighting for for the same the same cause, and that that really helps. So it should be a great atmosphere. Uh, I'm actually in the upper visitors, aren't we, Peter? We're in the uh, in the the away sections because Fulham have only got about twenty five fans coming. So um, we're we're up above them. Um, so another another uh, little little move around. Always good in the cup games, I think, to to move away from your season ticket seat and just go and sit somewhere else. Especially now, obviously that we found out that that Bramley Moor obviously is not going to open until until twenty five, twenty six. And um, you, I mean, to, just to round off on that before we have predictions, what are your thoughts on that, Pete? In terms of the the Bramley Moor situation, you know, are you pleased that Goodison's going to get a final twelve months and a final full season? And we know exactly where we are now. It's it's divisive, isn't it? It's I think it's a really interesting topic amongst fans because, on the one hand, part of me thinks I, I just want to get in there as soon as possible. Like you know, why have a state of the art, unbelievable stadium sat there, not having football being played in it and it not being used and enjoyed? Um, but also, I, I, you know, to, to live in the real world, there's lots of problems and things that need navigated in. Making the move to that stadium in terms, you know, in terms of stress testing it, solving all the niggles and problems that are going to come up, um, you know, like with, with any other huge project, I, I, I do think it's important to have a good send off at Goodison. So, you know, at least now we've got clarity and certainty on on what's going to happen. It, it does look like we'll be moving over to Bramley Moor a bit later than maybe people hoped, but let's hope that. You know, if there's one thing the club seem to be getting right consistently, it's it's Bramley Moore. So, you know, let's hope it, it we'll, we'll be looking back on it in the future and saying they absolutely made the right call and Goodison got the fitting send off that it deserved. And you know, we've moved into this new stadium with no problems or next to no problems. I agree with you, Pete. I agree with you. I think they've worked out roughly that you will lose out about nine million quid in revenue based on maybe moving halfway through next season and. You know, quite a few people who work in construction have come out and said, isn't it, you forget you've got to do these stress tests or these, you know, on, on the stadium with the obviously other events, um, you know, because if there is an issue, it might not be a simple fix either. I, you know, and um, you know, nine million revenue for us right now is a lot of money, isn't it? You know, even though in football, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's, it's not because of the stupid amount of money in the game. But I think, you know, we want to make sure we get it right and, Let's be honest. We're all we're all going to be crying our eyes out, Goodison, when we leave. I mean, we've we've had so many memories there, even from you know kids right the way through till now, haven't we? You know, we, I'm sure we can all regale those stories or remember the first time we went there. 
you know, um, and the old lady will, will be missed, no doubt. But um, Bramley Moore looks absolutely incredible, and um, I, you know, can't wait to get in there, really. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Pete. I, I might, I think you're slightly differently, Mike, aren't you? I think you think we should just get in straight away, judging by the previous chats I've had with you. I think the thing, yeah, the thing, and I don't want to be in this headspace, you know, in terms of thinking about money and all that, but at this moment in time, at the, at the club, money is a key factor. Um, and, and I shouldn't have to think, oh, well, you know, we're going to lose out on, say, nine, ten, whatever million pounds that, that is if we don't move. It might only be for a handful of games in that particular season. Um, I don't want to think that way. It, it, it drives me nuts. And, and this, Everton have made me think about figures and, and off the field stuff and boardrooms. And I don't, I don't care. I shouldn't have to care. Well, I do care, but I shouldn't have to care. It takes up too much of my headspace. But I think, you know, it, it doesn't seem to make sense for me financially. Um, it and it's not. By the way, I'm not. A, I'm not averse, of course, to go to some park getting a full season. Of course, I'm not. You know, it, it does deserve it. Of course, you know, we we all love it. We've all got our, our favourite games and memories, and we all remember certain things. Like when I dropped tomato tomato sauce and onions down the back of a fella's white shirt when I was about six in the family enclosure from my hot dog. But we've all got these kind of memories that you just don't forget. You know, and and this is it. You know, we. We, we should be allowed to, to remember Goodison Park for, for what it is and what it was and, and the joy and the pain that it's brought us and, and give it the, you know, the fit and send off. And, you know, episode two of the podcast, by the way, was about Goodison Memories. So, by the way, check that one out when we had uh, had no microphones and things like that. That was that was a fun a fun episode. But, you know, we, 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 we revisit these kind of things, but, you know, we love it, don't we? There's no other ground like it. And, and I still, when I go in now, look at it, I look at that main stand, obviously, with the three tiers, the top balcony, the family enclosure, and it still blows my mind, you know, the, the size of that particular stand. And we're, we're going to the ground, which is going to eclipse Goodison Park in terms of how it looks, in terms of the atmosphere it's going to create, you know, the acoustics. It's going to be as tight as, you know, to the pitch. It's going to be steep, steep stands. So it's going to be incredible. But obviously, it's always going to be tinged with sadness because we're leaving a place that we've, that we've known and we've, the only place we've ever known. Everton play football in. Um so yeah, it's yeah, mixed mixed obviously mixed feelings on it, of course. Um but Tim, what's your just before we go to our score predictions, what's your thoughts on, on the move to, to Bramley Moore? Are, are you happy that we're gonna get get a full season at Goodison Park? I'm happy. I mean, what I like the there's clarity, which I haven't I haven't done in the past well before. You know, they've communicated it early. Um you know, I think it's probably a sensible thing from a logistical point of view, you know, moving halfway through a season. You know, brings all sorts of complications, which they've obviously weighed up. Uh, and I, it, you know, I'm not going to lie; it is going to be nice having a, you know, that last day of the season next year at Goodison. It's going to be incredibly emotional. You know, I've the season ticket for 30 years, and yeah, I'm I'm gutted to go, but it's the right thing to the club, and I'm excited about Bramley Moor. It just, you know, it looks amazing, um, and yeah, so I, I think it's the right decision. It's the right decision to have a full season at Goodison. So, someone said they better install a metal detector on the last day of Goodison Park to get out <laughs> yeah. any kind of spanners and streets. That might be in people's pockets. Um, obviously, we don't condone anything like that, of course, on this show. Um, but it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how many seats remain after that uh, that full time whistle. But I think I think Don Hutchinson mentioned the club have been in touch with him already in regards to looking ahead to, to that last game of Goodison Park and what what they're going to try and do. Um, as I say, I mean, I remember West Ham when you left Upton Park and, and they brought out ex-players and uh, black taxis, London taxis onto the pitch. And let's not do nothing like that. Like Delta cabs coming through the corner of the uh, the park <laughs> end and the Bullens Road. <laughs> That's got the same kind of impact, has it? But I'm sure whatever whatever they plan, I'm sure that it'll be it'll be a fitting a fitting send off for Goodison Park. But let's finish off if we can with our round of predictions for the Carabao Cup quarter final on Tuesday. Tim, what are you thinking? Three, two, win. I couldn't do with a three-two, a three-two game. Three-two. Uh, I fancy Dom to get a couple of goals as well. He's due one. He is. He certainly is. He certainly is due a goal, yeah. isn't he? Pete, I'm going two-one Blues. Lee hat trick. Yeah, I'm going to go for the hat trick, boys. I'm going to say two-nil. Another clean sheet. Fifth clean sheet in a row. Um, as I said, Raul Jimenez being out is a blessed. Um, so I'm going to say two-nil. I'm going to agree with Tim. I think Dom's going to score as well. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to finish it off a quadruple. I'm going to say Everton 3-1 winners on Tuesday night. Um, 
and I, I do, yeah, I think I think Dom, I think Dom will bag. I think Beto will come on and he'll, he'll also he'll also score. Um, and a James Tarkovsky thirty-five yard Alan Sub style screamer uh, as well on the card. So watch watch out for that from wherever wherever you're sitting on Tuesday night. But Tim, thanks a lot for spending a bit of time on a Sunday evening talking about the Blues. We we massively appreciate it. Yeah, cheers, guys. Really enjoyed it. And we're going to be back ourselves. We're going to try and finish showing before before Christmas, of course. The games come thick and fast with Spurs next weekend. Obviously, we'll have one look back on the quarterfinal game as well. Um, and we see a few of you, obviously, at the match on, on Tuesday. If you are going down, please, if you can, bring some kind of uh, food item for the uh, for the food bank collection. Uh, we're, we're supporting on ourselves this year, with thanks to our listeners for listening, which, which make that possible. So if you can support them, Obviously, they'll be massively grateful at a time, which is which is really busy for them. And we will catch you ourselves next week. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.